0: Take us with you. Download HIV care tools today.
1: Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Breitman. Today, we're sitting down with John Faragon to talk a little more about Paxlovid, a drug used to treat COVID-19. Thanks so much for being here, John.
2: Yeah, thanks so much uh, again, Mariana, for having me here today. We're going to I think we're just going to revisit this whole Paxlovid story. There's some more stuff I think that we need to kind of iron out than what we covered the last time. So let's talk about that.
1: So, John, let's break down what exactly Paxlovid is for folks.
2: Yeah, so this um, you know, we reviewed this last time, and I, I don't even know if it had the generic name. We reviewed it pretty early, um, when this first came out, uh, when some of the first data came out. Anyway, so Paxlovid's a brand name, all right? So there's obviously this brand and generic names for all the drugs, and um, there's two oral medications that are used for um, used for COVID. The, really the the one drug, the ritonavir, isn't really doing much for 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 SARS-CoV-2, but the uh, the generic for Paxlovid that's really doing the the work is is a drug called nirmatrelvir. So that's again another. Tongue twister, right? It's like all the, it's like all the mabs, right? We we have to learn new new it's like a new language here. Uh, but this is SARS-CoV-2. It's a main protease inhibitor, which is um, known as the Mpro or this uh, the 3CLpro, and it's also in some uh, in some circles called the NSP5 protease. And those are just basically um, enzymes that are in the that are within the the structure of the SARS-CoV-2 virus that can be inhibited to block its replication. All right, so that that uh, is is combined with another drug, an old HIV drug called ritonavir. And I say old, it's it's it was, it was you know we, we still use it once in a while for treatment experience patients maybe, but for the most part, most people aren't, aren't on ritonavir unless it you know they're using it as a booster, right? No one's really on it for treatment anymore. It's it's really just for a booster. So it's basically used to increase levels of other, other HIV meds, and in this setting, you're actually increasing the, the levels of the beer. So that's how this is this is actually actually working. So the problem with bortanivir is that really there's a lot of big drug interactions that you have to worry about. And now that the, the EUA label is kind of out, and there's some information in there, it's much more much more helpful. So the EUA was 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 released in late December of uh, 20, 2021. So on uh, December of last year, the FDA authorized this for mild to moderate COVID nineteen adults and pediatric patients, as long as they're over 12 and at least 40 kilograms. Um, So that's roughly like, you know, 80 to 85 pounds, roughly. So if you're thinking about pounds instead of kilograms, um, and it's got to be for people who are at high risk for progression to severe COVID-19. So where this is not authorized is in hospitalized patients due to severe COVID uh, or critical COVID-19. It's also not to be used for pre-exposure prophylaxis. So there is a drug we haven't reviewed it yet, but we'll review in, a, um, in the next couple of weeks, probably Evosheld, which is another which is another monoclonal antibody which you can use for prevention. But it should not be used for, for more than five days. The point here I want to make here is that if somebody's on the medication and they do get happen, happen to get hospitalized, you can. it's up to the provider if they want to continue the packs of it or discontinue it. There is kind of that 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 language in the label for that option but for people who are in the hospital you wouldn't start this typically in the hospital it wouldn't be something you would do and it's not authorized for that by the eua
1: i know we talked a lot about the studies you know involved in Paxlovid in the previous episode regarding this medication but can you talk a little bit about some of the basics so to speak of how this is prescribed
2: yeah. So, so it's a little more, it's, it's not, it's not really hard, but there's just some things to think about. And so I, I can certainly do that. So first, first of all, the drug is co-packaged with ritonavir. So if you, if you Google search, um, an image of, of, uh, of Paxlovid, you'll see it's got like these three little blisters, um, that are, that are there for each dose. Right. So basically the, the, the uh, it's gotta be given together with the ritonavir for the drug to have its full effect. So the way it's packaged is that these blister packs have, um, each of the doses contains two of the 150 milligram Nirametovir tablets, and then one of the 100 milligram tablets of Ritonavir. So it's a three-tablet twice a day regimen, um, and then it's usually taken uh, for for five for five days, so a total of ten doses with all three tablets taken together at each dose. There's some little tricky things, though, that I think I think providers and I think. Um, Patients should be aware of, especially if you have any degree of um, kidney dysfunction or or renal impairment. So one of the important thing, important pieces that we that we did not review before is Paxilvid dosing in this setting. So this is often measured by it's a calculation. It's called the the GFR. Um, it's called the glomerular filtration rate. It's just how well your kidneys are filtering. And basically, the higher number of your, for your GFR, the better off your kidneys are. As that number gets lower and lower, it's an indication that your kidneys aren't working as well. So when you get down to thirty. And even into the 60 range, 60, 50, 40, you know, your kidney function is getting worse. So there is a dose adjustment um, where the nermaxlovir dose is actually cut from 300, which is two tabs, down to just one tablet twice a day in those patients who, who are between 30 and 60 mils per minute by their GFR. So instead of taking the two tablets with the ritonavir, you only take one nermaxlovir with um, with one ritonavir. So each of those 150 milligram doses needs to still be taken with that ritonavir, in order to maintain that that booster, but again for five days. So you would leave basically you would leave one of the nirmatrelvir trap tablets in, in each of the blister packs out um, if doing this. It, interesting enough, if your creatinine is less than thirty, for those with, or for those who have severe hepatic impairment, so the liver function that's bad as well, it's actually not even recommended. So you got to be really cautious about who you're prescribing this for. So the reason why I bring this up is that I think there's a lot of there's potential for a lot of primary care physicians that. You may not know all, some of the nuances with all of these drugs and, and even the, the issue with the drug interactions. Um, so that's why we're kind of reviewing this today. Side effects are pretty mild. I think most of the thing is you know, change in taste, diarrhea, which is no big surprise given that the retonavir is there. And then you also have potential risk of hypertension and, and myalgia. Those are kind of the big things.
1: What can you tell us about drug interactions?
2: Yeah. So again, another important question, right? So I think anyone who does HIV care, I, I think is well-versed in, 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 in these interactions that occur with ritonavir. But having said that, the use of these boosters is certainly less common today than it was even three to four years ago. And I even worry about large shifts where people have been using unboosted uh, integrase inhibitors, meaning that they don't contain ritonavir or other booster called cobicistat. The question is, is that our even the, some of the newer providers for HIV, they may not be as savvy with some of the older boosted drugs and some of the drug interactions. Now, hopefully they, they are, but there might be people who may be inexperienced experience with this. So just be very, very careful. If you do prescribe Paxilvid, um, I know it's only five days of therapy, but even the manage of statins and some of our new anticoagulants, um, anticonvulsants, psychotropic drugs, in particular, some of our second generation uh, atypical antipsychotics who, you know, um, who are often, often, comp, you know, on, Patients, especially with HIV, are often on those medications uh, are all going to require some additional thought, I guess, if you use this med. So let's start with the kind of the contraindicated medications. These are the ones that are listed in the label that you really should absolutely avoid at all costs. And and there's basically 10 classes with some different drugs and just go over some of them. And again, it's not going to be an all-inclusive list, so I encourage you to use some of the interaction checkers, but these are the big ones. Um, the alpha-1 blockers, the one that's in there is alfluzacin. Um, that's when you want to be careful of. Some of the analgesic drugs we don't really see. This is pethidine, paroxicam, and propoxyphene. We usually don't use those in the United States. You almost never see them. There's an anti angina medication. So most of you might, might actually be aware of using IMDR or isosorbide, mononitrate, or dinitrate. But there's a drug called renolazine, which is brand name is Renexa. That one's contraindicated. Some of the antiarrhythmics in particular... Some of the older drugs that we use, um, amiodarone, dronedarone, et cetera, be careful of those. One of the more common ones, especially in elderly patients, especially if you're dealing with a population that might be at high risk, um, is going to be colchicine, which is pretty common. All right, so colchicine is another one where the drug levels can increase, and you want to be cautious of that. Some of the antipsychotic drugs that are listed here for contraindicated meds, one of them is latuda, which is loracidone. And then the other one, which you don't use a lot of, is clozaril, which is clozapine, be careful there. Ergot derivatives, you don't really see, but those are like the dihydroergotamines. We almost never see them anymore. Some of the statin drugs, particularly lovastatin, which is mevacor, simvastatin, which is zocor. These are um, pretty common in some patients, you know, be careful of those. And then some of the drugs for pulmonary hypertension, and even for uh, erectile dysfunction, the PDE5 inhibitors like sildenafil, just be careful of some of those meds as well. And then there's a couple set of hypnomics, which you don't we don't typically use oral or triazolam very much. They're not typically used. So that list, I think for, for those of you who do a lot of HIV care, well, you'll know that list. Those are the ones that are your, that you're most worried about is from, from a boosting effect. The, those, now, those drug levels of, of the meds I just mentioned all will be increased by the ritonavir. The other concern is that if you have an inducing drug, these are drugs that actually make the CYP450 system work faster, and it drives down the drug level. So I think of it like a Pac-Man, like the Pac-Man's working faster to chew up medications. So the drug levels actually go down and that can actually happen too. And some of the common ones that we worry about that you should avoid carbamazepine, which is Tegretol, Phenobarb and These are older drugs we don't see a lot of, but Rifampin is also sometimes used in some infections. So sometimes you see it in TB as well. And then St. John's Wort, and there's some other cancer drugs too. So again, not an all-inclusive drug list, but these are the ones I think that are, that are contraindicated. That that are that are major ones. And the next section will cover cover some other ones too that I think are important.
1: So Don, this is great for providers to know. But as you mentioned, these are just the ones that are contraindicated. Are there others?
2: Yeah. So this is the problem with drug interactions, right? So you have a list that are contraindicated that are absolute no nos based on the labeling. And again, sometimes you you're stuck with having to use them and you have to make a decision, but um, there's a whole bunch of other drugs that are that are issues with drug interactions, and there's a nice table um, in the EUA material. It's, it's table one that has um, some of these meds. So I just encourage it again: read the label, and if you want, just print out the EUA. That's helpful, and there's also I'll give you some some uh, some. Uh, some apps at the end that, that you can actually use, but some, just some examples. So besides lobin and civistatin, we have other statins. What if somebody's on Lipitor or Torvastatin, for example, when that's dosed with Ritonavir, you really can't use more than 20 milligrams a day. So if you have somebody who's on 80 milligrams a day, they have a lot of comorbidities and you want to use Paxlovid, you're going to have to do something with the statin and you're going to have to cut the dose way back. And some people actually may, you may even actually hold the medication. And there is some guidance in the EUA labeling on what, on what to do. Another one that comes up a lot is a apixaban. So this is used for for atrial fibrillation, um, for for anticoagulation instead of using coumadin, which requires a lot of monitoring. A lot of people are on this drug called a apixaban or rivaroxaban. That's another one. Rivaroxaban is a no no, but a apixaban, you know, usually at high at, at five milligrams BAD with most patients are on, you'd have to cut it back in half if they're on one of these one of these warfarin-containing regimens. So again. This is going to be a little bit of complex. Like, you what know, do you know? Do you do you cut the dose? Do you give it once a day? Do you cut it in half? And you have to write another script for just for like five days of therapy? Do you do that? So I think it's going to be really kind of complex and how providers are going to manage this. But again, I think the most important thing is that the if somebody's really at high risk for progression to COVID, we know that Paxlovid has some very good data, close to ninety percent reductions in hospitalization and death. So. It really does work well. Psych meds are going to be a problem. I'll give you one example: Seroquel, which is quetiapine, <clears throat> can actually be increased by fivefold with somebody on Ritonavir. So, what does a provider do with somebody who's on that? Do they hold their quetiapine? So then you run the risk of if they're using it for psych reasons, psychiatric care, they may actually not have enough drug if you stop it altogether. But on the other hand, if you add Ritonavir and you have a fivefold elevation, they could really be sedated, overly sedated for a couple of days. So again, how people, how this is going to affect everybody, I think is really hard. I think, you know, I think co- contacting, a, you know, a, a, an experienced clinical pharmacist, I think is helpful. Um, and again, when I say clinical pharmacist, anybody, you know, any pharmacist who has, you know, uh, a, a license should understand some of these drug interactions and what to do. But I, I, what I, when I say clinical pharmacist, I mean someone who has more experience in kind of managing uh, patient care issues like this. Uh, HIV meds, I think you know for the most part, I don't think you're going to change anybody's antiretrovirals during this five day period. If they're on a booster already, just just keep them on the packs of it. Have them take the booster as well. Don't make any changes. Uh, once you've inhibited that enzyme by giving more drug, you're probably not going to inhibit it anymore. more likely you're just going to potentially have some additional side effects. But again, there's very it's very sparse uh, on the recommendations on what on what to do here.
1: John this all sounds quite complicated. So where can providers get help if they have questions about, you know, prescribing Paxlovid?
2: Yeah, so so it's a great question Mariana. and this is something that we, you know, we we struggle with a lot in trying to figure out what the best references are, but I think the good uh, you know, good pharmacists first and in drug interactions can be helpful. Uh, the EUA, the, that table one is very very helpful, but again, it doesn't give you a lot of answers on what to do. So I think what I would do is, um, you know, you could print that out and have it at your desk if you're going to be using Paxlovid. Right now, the supply is very, very limited. Um, there was only very limited doses were offered to um, um, out out the people in the United States. I think that supply chain will will increase over time, but again, to what degree, you know, I can't predict. I, you know, the best statement that we heard today from one of our one of our favorite speakers today, um, you know. Uh, people are trying to predict what's going to happen tomorrow with COVID and you just can't predict. And, and I think it's really a great, great point And what's going to happen with drug supply. Who knows? Right. Um, and then you also have the Liverpool site, which again, many of you may use this for HIV drug interactions, HCV dash drug interactions.org. Those are some of the HIV and hep C ones. There's actually a COVID-19 dash drug interactions.org, which also can be helpful and is a great resource. The other thing I'll mention that it's not exactly for Paxlovid, but it's, if you look in the DHHS guidelines for protease inhibitors, if you look in there, um, any of the boosted protease inhibitors, so if it says PI slash R, which means ritonavir, or even PI slash C, which means cystat, those are the boosted PIs. Anything that's in there in the protease section for, for drug interactions are good examples of what you may potentially have a problem with when you add Paxlovid to those medications. So I think that's that might be that might be helpful. Again, not a lot of answers here, right? But some some review, I think, and I think really, hopefully, just some basic information. If you are using it just to be be careful, check the references, double check, check it again, and then ask ask a good pharmacist if you need help if you're not sure about what to do.
1: John, thanks so much for joining us and giving us this breakdown of Paxlovid and telling providers everything they need to know in order to safely prescribe this new medication that could really be a game changer in the COVID-19 pandemic. We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about Nika AATC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nikaatc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at nikaatc.org. That's p o d c a s t at N-E-C-A-A-E-T-C dot org. Stay safe, and we'll see you on Thursday for our next episode of Nika in the Know.